good morning once again. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Amen. I want to start with a couple shout outs this morning. And one of those is for those who came today, despite uh, your spouse being on the women's retreat. And I know we may not have it in this hour, but the second hour, I'm going to be thanking those dads that were brave enough to get their kids dressed and get them here, despite their wives being on the retreat. And uh, we promised them and we promised all y'all, we're going to have a pancake breakfast at 10 o'clock. So if you're joining us for, for the first time today, I want you to know we're going to have pancakes in Latimer Hall to my left, to your right at 10 o'clock. We'll hope that you'll stay. And so I want to give out the sh- shout out to, to Russ. Joni says she's never seen him get up that early in the morning without an alarm clock, but he loves to cook and he loves to feed people. And he's going to be uh, preparing uh, a meal for us next door uh, today. So that's pretty awesome. Also. And uh, last, I want to give a shout out to those of you that invited a guest. Thank you for inviting people. And for those of you that are here for the first time, we do want you to know that you're always welcome here at the Way Woodstock, where we're committed to glorifying God and making disciples of Jesus Christ through sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. And over the last several weeks, what we've been doing in, in worship is exploring that middle part, that living with purpose. What does it mean to live with purpose? Because the truth is, is we all end up somewhere, but not all of us end up somewhere on purpose. Am I right? You see, God has created us. He's uniquely created each and every one of us. We're not only fearfully and wonderfully made, but we are intended to live in a way that we don't simply arrive at death safely. That's not the goal of life, is it? By no means is that the goal of life. God has more in store. God has more in store for us. God has more in store he wants to do through us. And he enables us. As we began this series, we, we talked about chase the what? Chase the lion. We read about Benaiah in 2 Samuel, how he jumped in a pit on a snowy day. I mean, who does that, right? Chasing a lion. Talking about chasing those dreams. Talking about facing those fears. And it doesn't matter how young or how old you are. David as a young boy. Abraham and Sarah older than dirt having a baby. God has a purpose. God has a dream. God has a vision for your life and for the season of life that you're in. And so we began this series with the idea of chasing the lion. What is it that you need to face? What dream do you need to chase? And then we moved on to the Hebrew word chazon. You know, that it sounds like you're coughing up on someone, but, but it's that word for, for vision, for revelation that, that God wants to reveal. God wants to bestow a vision upon our hearts and our minds to give us clarity about where he's leading us, what he wants us to do. And not only that, as Pastor Ann unpacked for us a couple weeks ago, he bestows gifts upon us so that we can live into that uniqueness, so that we can live into that purpose, so that we can live into that life of more that God has for us. And Ann challenged us to dig up some of those talents because the truth is, inadvertently in some ways and maybe even intentionally in others, I imagine each and every one of us has stuffed down and buried some of the talents, some of the gifts that God has given us. And so I want to dig a little deeper today in this idea of gifts. And, and many of you, if you're on our email list, you got an invitation this past week to take a spiritual gifts assessment. Any of y'all have a chance to do that this past week? I don't see your hands here. I'm going to say, Alan did. All right. We got one brave soul. We're going to resend that out this week as well. I encourage you to do that and take that in mind. But but today I want to talk about gifts, and not just any gifts, but I'm talking about spirit-filled, divine gifts, the gifts of the Spirit that are bestowed upon anyone and everyone who receives Jesus Christ into their life and in faith with Him. And so turn with me 
to a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, the first letter, chapter 12, beginning in the first verse, we find these words. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or the other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And if we were to move toward the end of this chapter, he closes with these words, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. God, you, uh, you are a gracious God. And you awoke each of us to a new day, a gift that was not promised, but we've been blessed with. And so, God, I thank you for these moments to gather in worship in pursuit of you, in praise of you. And even when we bring our doubts and our fears to know that you're big enough to take them because you love us. And so, God, I know that there are those here that are carrying burdens and troubles on their hearts. And, Lord, I pray that you'd allow them to know that you're here to take them. And that they can set them down for a few moments, perhaps even leave them here because of you. And that in these moments, Lord, that we would be open to what you would have us to hear and what you would have us to do in light of your word, not my word. So, Lord, I pray that the meditation of our hearts and our minds and the words of my mouth would be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all of the church said, Amen. 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 You know, there's a, um, a popular saying that ignorance is bliss. Can I get an amen to that? Ignorance is bliss, that if you don't know about it, then you can't be responsible for it. Right? Well, let me tell you what I mean by this. Let me give you an example. Men, how many of you, I'm going to pick on men here, claim ignorance when it comes to washing clothes? My dad played ignorance for a season trying to wash his clothes until my mom went out of town, and, well, that didn't end up too well for him. You know, there, there's, there's all kinds of ways, and I know that's a stereotype, but I hope you get my point, is that sometimes we like to claim ignorance so that we don't have to take responsibility, so that we don't have to act on something that we become aware of. 
maybe as grandparents, you know, you get that whiff of the diaper and the, you know, of the baby, and you kind of hand them back to mom and dad, right? Ignorance. I didn't know that the diaper was full, right? There's, there's ignorance is bliss. You know, sometimes we like to claim that. And sometimes we like to claim that ignorance on what we've been given, what we're capable of, what we've been equipped to do. And that seems like that's what's happening here in the church in Corinth that Paul is writing to. That They're claiming a little bit of ignorance, if you will, to some gifts that they've been given. And not just any gifts, but given by God. Spirit-filled, spirit-empowered gifts. If we were to go to the very opening, how, how Paul kind of greets those in Corinth, back at the very beginning of his letter, we find this, beginning in verse 4, chapter 1. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. You do not lack any spiritual gift. He, he's already greeted them in this way that, that, that God's blessed you. He's saying, dudes, God's blessed you. He's bestowed upon you some awesome gifts. You've been blessed with all kinds of speech and all kinds of knowledge. And there's not a single spiritual gift missing among you all. It's a pretty cool deal, but then we find him in this chapter, in chapter 12, opening this way. Now about those gifts. About the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be uninformed. It seems that, excuse me, it seems despite having these gifts, they weren't necessarily putting these gifts to good use. They And Paul's drawing attention to two important things as it relates to these gifts that they've been given, and he opens them in this letter. And and I want to point these out to you. And the first we find in beginning in verse 4, what we just read, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Simply put, diverse gifts, same source. Diverse gifts, same source. Each of those in the church in Corinth had been given some gifts. Diverse gifts, but they all flow from the same source, the Holy Spirit. And the same is true for each of us today who profess faith in Christ. We, through surrendering our lives to Christ and receiving the Holy Spirit. You know, we're baptized by what? The water and Spirit, right? We, we claim that in our baptismal vows, that we're water, the water is the symbol of cleansing, the Holy Spirit, symbol of power and freedom, and the presence of God taking up dominion in our lives. With the relationship of the Holy Spirit comes a set of unique gifts that are bestowed upon us. And then Paul gives us a litany list here of different kinds of gifts, ranging from gifts of speech, gifts of knowledge. Paul kind of introduced that at the very beginning of his letter, right? And then he also gives a list of things, the gifts of healing, of miraculous powers that are bestowed upon them. And if you ever want to do a deep dive on these, I would love to sit down and talk with you. In fact, I'm thinking about our healing of prayer night, night of prayer, 
in a couple weeks, taking a deep dive on these, these gifts, the specific gifts, the nine gifts that are listed in this text. But if you've ever taken a spiritual gifts assessment, you might realize that there are other gifts that show up on that assessment. You might be looking at that assessment. Alan, I know you're the only one that's taking it, but you might be looking at it and say, well, some of my gifts don't fit this list. What gives? Well, here's what I want you to know is don't get caught up on the specifics of this particular list. Paul's list is not exhaustive, nor is it definitive, but it's just representative. Let me say that again. Paul's list here is not exhaustive, nor is it definitive, but is representative. In fact, if we look later in chapter 12, we see these gifts and additional gifts that Paul ropes into it. In other letters that Paul writes, he has additional things that he has in his list. And if you look at other writers that are also speaking to gifts of the Spirit, there's even yet others that we find throughout Scripture. There are indeed diverse gifts given, but the point is they all come from the same source. Better yet, they come from the same relationship. The relationship offered to each and every one of us through the power of presence and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You remember when Jesus was about to go on to heaven? He says, I'm not going to leave you an orphan. I'm going to send you an advocate, the Spirit of truth who will be with you always. This is that source. This is the relationship offered to each of us and to all of us who profess faith in Jesus Christ. And I got to wondering, you know, why did, why did Paul harp on this idea that there's different gifts but the same source? Have you ever stopped to think about that? Why, why did he say it three times over? Different gifts, different works, different manifestations, but the same Spirit, same God, same Lord. Why did he have to say that? I don't know why he had to say it to those in Corinth, but I am certain why we need to hear it today. You see, we live in a day and a time in which we like to compare ourselves to others, right? There's a whole lot of comparison going on. What is social media all about a lot of times? Uh, and y'all got on there and said, man, I like the way they redid their kitchen. Or I like the vacation they went on. Or, or man, you know, we, we're in, we live in a comparative day where we like to compare ourselves to the other, where it be the car we ride, the neighborhood we live in, the school that our kids or our grandkids go to. And y'all got those bumper stickers, my kid's an honor student at fill-in-the-blank school, right? We like to compare, we like to brag about what we have. But here's what we need to remember, is that when we say yes to Jesus, and we're filled with that same Holy Spirit, that's exactly what it is. We're filled with the same Spirit. But that the gifts in which we are given are different. We need not compare ourselves and say, well, I have the gift of this, or, you know, I don't have the gift of that. Rather than compare ourselves and compare what gifts each of us have, we need to celebrate the diversity of gifts that are bestowed upon each and every one. When I look at you, there are unique people here, unique women and men of God. And God's uniquely endowed each and every one of you with spiritual gifts. Unique for the way in which he created you, unique in the way in which he's called you, and he desires you to live out your life, a life of more. We're going to talk about that a little bit more next week as we get into it. So diverse gifts, same source. But there's another thing that he highlights in this text. He wants them to not only recognize a common source, but also the common purpose. 
for which they've been given them. Verse 7 starts this way. Now to each one, of the, man, each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. For the common good. In other words, these gifts have been given not for your benefit, but for others. For the sake of others. They're not for you. They're for the blessing of others. Isn't this what we see Jesus doing when he goes and sends out the twelve in Matthew's gospel? Matthew captures Jesus giving him some instructions to the twelve. And and in chapter uh, 10, we find this, beginning in 7. It says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then he goes on and he tells those twelve, hey, guess what? Go heal the sick. Go raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give and guess what they came back to jesus saying you won't believe it jesus but we saw people heal we saw the lepers be cleansed we raised people from the dead they could not believe what happened in them and through them and yet jesus wasn't surprised was he because he bestowed upon them the move of the spirit there and the same took place at pentecost where jesus He's speaking to those before he ascends into heaven. He says this in the opening of Acts. He says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the what? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And he goes on a little bit later in that opening. He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what do we see playing out in Acts? It is no act, is it? It's the real deal. We see the disciples on Pentecost. I mean, people think they're punch drunk, and, but it's early in the morning and they're all speaking in tongues, different tongues, different languages. Everyone gathered there from all of the areas, different regionalities come into Jerusalem and they hear these disciples speaking in their native language the gift of the spirit the gift of tongues is right there for them to speak in a different language now some of us have a prayer language a private prayer language and it's beautiful and it's powerful but also we also have a manifestation sometimes to speak in someone else's native tongue so that we can translate and speak into a way in which they can understand too maybe you've never experienced that but i've seen someone do that and it blows my mind when God shows up in that way. And that's what happened in the book of Acts. And we see them go on and healing people. Peter and John right there going into the temple says, gold and silver I do not have, but in the name of Jesus Christ, what do they tell the lame man to do? Beautiful. Get up and walk. These are no acts. This is the real deal. This is what the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit look like being lived out in those early days. And here's the deal. None of that was for their good, the disciples' good, but for the common good, to bring people into the presence, to introduce them into the reality of who Jesus is and what Jesus wants to do for them. In fact, oftentimes it wasn't for their good because what happened to them? They got thrown in jail. They got spat at. They got mistreated. These gifts weren't given for their good. They were given for the common good. They were given to bring glory to God and to draw people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, I can't help but think that those in Corinth somehow misunderstood what the gifts of the Spirit were for. 
Perhaps they sought to use these gifts for their own good rather than the common good. Or perhaps they neglected to use them at all because they were afraid of what others might think of them. You ever been worried of what it might look like to be a a spirit-filled Pentecostal Christian? A holy roller, as some people call them. A Methodist, as they called John Wesley in his day. You know that was a derogatory term. Methodism stuck, but it was a derogatory term for John Wesley and the early followers that began the movement that we lay claim to as Methodists today. Or perhaps they just didn't use them at all. I fear that far more than ever, that's the case today. I think we don't see manifestations of the Holy Spirit work in the Western church today because we're afraid of what it might look like. We want to fit in rather than draw people in. We neglect the gifts God's given us. We, we miss out on the opportunities. We're afraid that we might, what we might look like if we're tapped into the power that the presence of the Holy Spirit in us can afford us. The ability to discern, the ability to speak forth life into people's lives, to call forth healing in the name of Jesus. You know, I alluded to our, our, our founder, John Wesley, and he was prophetic in his day. 250 years ago, nearly, he wrote these words. He says, I'm not afraid that people called Methodists should ever cease to exist either in Europe or America. But I am afraid lest they should only exist as a dead sect, having the form of religion without the power. Having the form of religion without the power. You know, I not only fear this, but I confess to you I've lived this. I, I, I want to share with you two examples of how the, the nudge of the Holy Spirit, any of y'all ever had a nudge of the Holy Spirit just urging you to do something? Am I, I'm not the only one, right? Yeah, I, all of us have had a nudge. Well, I'll never forget one day, this is about 15 years ago, I was, wasn't a pastor, I was, I was in a Sunday school class, I was fairly new to the class, there were some 30 couples that would gather every week, so we're talking 60 some odd people packed in the Sunday school room, all with a bunch of young kids. It was an amazing time in our life, but I'm fairly new to this, but this one woman was brave enough in the beginning of, of class, as they were going around sharing prayer concerns, to be bold enough to say, you know what, I've been diagnosed with breast cancer. And, and you could just kind of feel the weight in the room just sit. And anytime you hear the word cancer, it's like a cuss word, right? It sits heavy. And people are sharing other prayer requests, and, we, and, we, and, and the leader prayed us in, and the leader got on to the lesson for the day. And, and, and from that very get-go, I'm sitting here, and the Holy Spirit saying, pray for her. Pray for her. And I just kind of sat there. And you all ever sit there? Sit there. And so the lesson goes on, and, and then someone stands up to, to close us in prayer, and it was more of a prayer generality. Has any of y'all been in a class where it's kind of more of the prayer generality? And I'm sitting there, and I'm sweating because the Holy Spirit's saying, pray for her. And so after all of that, I, you know, being new to the class, I said, I said, wait a minute, can, Jennifer was her name. And I said, Jennifer, can we, can we pray specifically for you? And, and you could tell it broke the atmosphere in that room. 
because everyone was sensing something similar. And so she and her husband gathered in the center of the room, and the rest of us laid hands on this couple. And I began to pray, and everyone else that felt led joined in. And I began to cry. They began to cry. There wasn't a dry eye in that room. And we left changed that day. She's cancer-free today. Thanks be to God. And I have no doubt that part of her healing was through the power of prayer. And not just physically, but through her faith and the faith of that class. It was an amazing experience to to respond to that nudge of the Holy Spirit, to to just pray. See, fast forward, a couple years later, I surrendered to the call to ministry. I'm in seminary. I'm becoming a pastor. And I find myself in Kenya, and I find myself in the slums. Over a million people living in this, this one particular slum on the outside of Nairobi, Kenya. It was a devastating place. It was a heartbreaking precious kids barely clothed and and the, and the the waste that's going through the streets and just just a very heavy place and yet the spirit of god was at work there was churches amongst the slum that we worshiped with it was an amazing experience one day we were out walking down the streets and i saw this guy with crutches and he's trying to go down through the street but imagine being on crutches but your feet are turned underneath you he was walking on his ankles, on crutches. And that same nudge came over me. And the Spirit was saying, lay hands on him. Pray for him. Pray for him. Now, I'm in a different culture. I don't speak the language. I mean, I can say Jambo, Buana Asafiwe, that's Swahili, for hello, God bless you. It's about all I could learn in Swahili going in there. You know, nobody would have known what I prayed. But did I pray? No. I was afraid. I didn't know what would happen if I prayed for him in that way. And I regret to this day having not taken that prompt, that nudge of the Holy Spirit to just simply pray for him. You know, I wish... I could tell you that there's a lot more stories like Jennifer I could share with you. And there are. There are quite a few of those I can share with you. But I have to confess to you too, there's a lot of stories also in my own walk where I've chosen to ignore that prompting of the Holy Spirit. Like what I experienced in Kenya. Where I've decided to play it safe. Any of y'all ever been there? Any of y'all tried to play it safe? And you don't put yourself out there. (laughs) If that's you, I want to give you some good news this morning. It's not up to you. It's not up to you. You see, when we pass on the opportunity presented to us, it doesn't inhibit the work and the move of the Holy Spirit. What we see in verse 11 says this, all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He distributes to each of them Just as he determines. You see, we're not God. But we're invited to participate in God's work. That's why we're given these gifts. For the common good and for God's glory. And God desires for his gifts to flow through us. 
but he never forces us to use them. He never forces us to use them. You see, the question is not whether we denied someone's healing by not speaking or praying or acting. The question really is, why are we so willing to miss out? Why am I so willing to miss out? Why are we so willing to miss out on witnessing the Spirit of God work through us for the sake of someone else? Why? You see, if we lay claim to our baptism, if we believe that we've been baptized by the water and the Spirit, if we lay claim to having been baptized by the Holy Spirit and open to the Holy Spirit residing in our lives, I guarantee you that the Holy Spirit wants to manifest through me and through you and through us to a world that is hurting, to a world that is searching, to a world that is questioning, to a world that is doubting, to a world that's filled with fear, to a world that's looking everywhere else but to God. That's what Paul talked about in the beginning. He said, you know, you once were led astray. You once were a pagan. You led astray to false idols. Where's the world grow? Money talks, right? Or status talks. Or this talks. Or, or this doctor. Or this what? That's where the world turns. Perhaps they're turning there because they're not seeing the work of the Spirit in us. In the way that God wants to work through us. You see, we're made for more. And to live into that life of more, we cannot ignore these gifts. If we want to live into that life of more, that more that God has for us, the more that God wants to do through us, we cannot ignore the gifts of the Spirit. And I love what Paul says here. He says, rather than ignore, Paul implores them to eagerly desire these gifts that's how he ends this chapter and if you jump over to the opening of chapter 14 he's still talking about this and he says the same thing eagerly desire the gifts don't be uninformed don't ignore eagerly desire these gifts So imagine with me how much more filling and fulfilling your life and my life might be if we eagerly desired these gifts. Imagine how the lives of those around us might be changed, might be renewed, might be transformed by God speaking through you. Maybe just a word of encouragement. Maybe a word of knowledge that God places in your heart and your mind. Gives you that image for someone. You just need to share it with them. Maybe it's the checkout register. I've known Trisha has been compelled to do that at Walmart. Praise be to God. You see, it's in those small things that God does amazing big things through us. And I don't know about you, but I want these gifts to be operating more freely and fully in my life. I've sat on the sidelines for way too long. You know, faith is not a a spectator sport, is it? We're called to get in the game. We're called to bring people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. After all, isn't that what we're made for? Isn't that what we're created for? That's what we're committed to, sharing in hope, living with purpose for what? For the sake of others. So today I want to leave you with a prayer challenge. I want to give you a prayer that I want to invite you to pray with me today. But I'm going to email it out because I want you to maybe make this part of your daily prayer this week. Just a, a simple prayer. And be open to God allowing this prayer to open you and I up to seeing 
what he wants to do. And I got forewarning, it's a dangerous prayer. <laughs> but I guarantee you, it'll help you begin to discover that God has more in store for you and he wants to do more through you. So let's pray together. I'm going to have it on the screen here. Heavenly Father, today I choose to serve you with my faith and my mouth. Fill it, Lord, so that I can speak for you into the lives of every person I meet. I receive your anointing to pray. My prayer is that today I will speak life, hope, and joy into every single person I pray for. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's make that our prayer today. In fact, let's make that our prayer every day. Amen? We're made for more. Let's not ignore. Let's desire. Move the Spirit. Can I pray for us one more time? Let's pray. Almighty God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the way that Paul challenges us. That we have gotten and been blessed with more of you than we could ever imagine. And yet, maybe we're not doing in using the gifts that your spirit bestows upon us. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in us anew this week. God, that you would open us up gently and yet boldly to operate in the spiritual in a way that you have equipped and empowered us to do through a relationship that we have with you through your Holy Spirit that dwells in each and every believer. And God, for those of you that that may not know God or may not know the presence of the Spirit, I I pray, God, that you would reveal yourself today to to those. God, that they would raise the questions that they have. They would come and speak to someone that's already a little further along in their own faith journey and say, what's this thing about these gifts the Spirit offers? What's it mean to be filled with the Spirit? And ultimately, my prayer is just simply this, come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come have your way with us as a congregation, as families, as individuals. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Have your way with us and empower us to live the life of more that you have for us. I ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.